Hello and welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. Our goal at Owl Pellets is to help agriculture teachers like you find research-based solutions to the problems you face every day in the middle and high school classroom and as you advise your FFA chapters. Here you will find practical tips for your agriculture classroom and interesting information to incorporate into your teaching. We invite the best agricultural education faculty and researchers from around the country to come and talk with us and share what they have learned. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, and me, Brian Myers from the University of Florida. For more information on Owl Pellets, please be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And visit our webpage at owlpelletsfrag.wordpress.com. All right, hey, Owl Pellets, this is Brian and Kate here by the Owl Pellets, still in beautiful Hot Springs, Arkansas at Camp Couchdale, uh, the Arkansas FFA camp at the Arkansas Ag Teachers Conference. Yes, how many times can I say Arkansas in the same paragraph? We just want to make sure that you really love our state before you leave. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it is a beautiful, beautiful state. Like I said, it reminds me of where I grew up. I grew up a little bit north of here. Uh, a state away north, but a little bit north, little bit north is still from there. Um, we're, we've been having some great conversations. We are missing Marshall Baker, our third member of our team. Marshall is not feeling well, is under the weather, and we miss you, Marshall. We're glad we heard today that he is feeling better, but he missed out on the beautiful Camp Couchdale and the Arkansas Ag Teachers Conference. Yeah, and he said yesterday he saw pictures of us. Oh, crap, I forgot to take one of the last uh, thing, and there's something for you to edit out already. You're welcome. <laughs> He was seeing the pictures that we had posted, and he said that he had major uh, alcohol FOMO since yes. he can't be here. He is missing out, that is sure. So we're going to have a great conversation today. As you've demonstrated so well, are ag teachers professionals or not? Yeah. <laughs> because. Yes. This is a well-organized machine, Al Pellets. We do it so well. We are professionals. But we are saved um, in doing that because it's not just Kate and I having this conversation. We have some great Arkansas ag teachers in here with us today that are going to help us have this conversation. And we're going to get started right here. If you'll kind of just introduce yourself so everybody in Al Pellets knows who's talking to them today. My name is Kevin Berenberg. I teach at Lincoln, Arkansas. Mason Hudson, teach at Moralton, Arkansas. My name is Nathan Bowie. I'm the ag teacher at Guy Perkins. My name is Catherine Hudson, and I teach at Heber Springs. My name is Joe Washburn. I teach Pocahontas. Fantastic. Now, I'm going to acknowledge this because I think this is pretty cool. This is an Owl Pellets first. This is a family affair. It is. Correct? It is. We, I feel like from what you all were saying earlier that we should have like a nice lunch on the table and like some sweet tea, I'm assuming. Yeah. When, Water they, when it's available. <laughs> <laughs> so, if I got this right, See if you, if you, if you got it. dad, yes, this is my dad. daughter, yes. husband. Yes. Okay. But we're missing an, an additional ag teacher who is Catherine's brother who is interviewing today. So, it is a family affair. Yes. Fantastic. This is really cool. This is really cool. So, I just thought that was, sorry to embarrass anybody, but I thought that was really cool to acknowledge uh, that we, we've got that stuff going on. So anybody who has listened to Al Pellets any length of time or any of our podcasts or our interviews or recording or has seen anything from there or has talked to Kate Shoulders for more than 32 seconds, 
understands one of her passion topics is our teachers professionals. So Kate, yes. talk to us about what, what are we going to be dealing with today? So, um, man, it's hard to say in 30 seconds because you're <laughs> right, it's like totally my soapbox. So uh, there's this notion that teachers overall are professionals. And the, the idea of professional in the literature is that, um, so think of like doctors and lawyers, um, people who have a wealth of knowledge about a particular thing and are able to pick and choose on the fly from that knowledge that they have and apply it to situations as they are presented. So you think a lawyer in a, in a court, law room, I know nothing about that aspect, but you see what I'm saying. They, a, 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 a client presents them with a thing and they say, oh, I can help you with this and they can work there and, and make something amazing happen. Same thing with doctors, right? That's the reason we don't do it online most of the time, right? Like Google MD is not the most helpful because we need someone who's a professional who's able to say, from my wealth of knowledge and where I know to get further knowledge and from what you're telling me, I can put those two pieces together and come up with something that is going to help you. So there's a notion, particularly within core content areas, that teachers are professionals, should be treated like professionals, should behave as professionals, and, and this part for me is really what's most important, should feel and be empowered like a professional. So they should have the autonomy when they go into a classroom to not say like, well, here's the curriculum I was given. I'm going to be the curriculum monkey and just deliver it to the students the way I was told to. But I know my students. I know what's best practice in teaching and learning. And I know how to take this material and really make sure that those students can learn it. And so. Again, that's within core content areas, and that's where the vast, vast majority of the research that has been done to focus on this teacher empowerment and creating autonomy and to help them see that they are professionals. I kind of um, wonder, and I see overall, and I'm really curious, ag teachers, what you all see, um, that maybe we don't always identify with that because the roles that we play are very different than the roles of the other teachers. So, Oftentimes I see like ag teachers, we have more keys, right? <laughs> I remember having more keys. Um, we are asked to fix things. We're asked to do barbecues, right? So we're, we're, we're custodians and janitors. We're um, cooks for the school. We do the prom flowers. We do bus duty. We drive the buses. Right? So we may not necessarily be treated or feel, right? Sometimes it's you shouldn't treat me like a professional because I do all these other things, right? And other times it's other people saying, you do all these things, so we're not going to treat you like a professional, right? But that um, shifts a little bit, I think, in what ag teachers do and feel like they're able to do. And so that's kind of the overall conversation is, what does it mean to be a professional ag teacher? Is it the same as what it means to be a professional teacher? And how are we treated by others in the community, our administrators and other teachers? Are we treated like professionals? Should we be treated like professionals? Or is it something different? So which of those 17 questions would you like us to start well, off with? You asked. Right? <laughs> like, I don't know why you set me up for that. You asked and we're just like, Kate, okay, tell us about your most passionate thing. And I'm like, OK. So I, I guess we'll start off. Are ag teachers professionals? Is is and by professional, we go back again. You know, we talk about doctors and lawyers. I'm a good friend of mine that's that's a lawyer. You talk about they practice law. 
And my, and my physician says he practiced medicine. I don't want my physician to be practicing on me. I want him to get it right, you know? Um, so sh should we be saying we're not just teaching, we are practicing education or that sort of thing? Are we that type of a professional as, as ag teachers? I think we do um, because a lot of what we do um, is based on research. As education as a whole is that way, um, but a lot of the stuff we present is we talk about research. Um, I specifically, I like to get on the Extension's website and print out um, studies that Extension has done or something that a grad student has submitted and um, I present that research to kids and, you know, they look at it and, you know, we kind of pick it apart and see, you know, what could have been done differently and what does this research provide us. Um, and I think that's something that doctors and lawyers use, they use research and they use case files and things like that and I feel like I do the same thing. Um, I think it's a great point. It's a matter of we base what we do off of, of, of research. We find it, and again, like you're saying, it's not rote memorization. You're not just handing out this this thing that you printed off, but it's like, okay, I find this research-based information and I tweak it and I and then I craft it in a way that works because I know my context, I know my students to, to make that go. So I think that's a great point. <clears throat> kind of piggyback on something you said at the very end when you talked about being a professional and other teachers having more of a professional feel to them because they have a core class. Ag teachers are one of the only teachers I feel like that teach science, they teach physics, they teach math, they teach geometry. We teach a whole bunch of different subjects and most people at the end of the day think of you as a shop teacher. Yes. And it's something that a lot of teachers don't realize how much different core things we teach in class. How many core subjects that we actually go over if you have a leadership class and you're talking about developing speeches, there's English that goes in there. There's making sure things sound right and make sure that when you present your information, it's presented in a way that not only makes sense, but catches somebody's ear in a way that, hmm, that was interesting. I need to continue to listen. So why is that? And when you said shop teacher, right, like there's this connotation that that is viewed as less respected than a teacher of a core content area. So where do you think that comes from and why? Why would that be viewed as less, as deserving less respect when you're talking about professionalism? And where does that come from? Joe, I see you, you've got some <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> uh, one of the things that, well he says, when you piggyback, like I'll say the same thing. Um, a lot of people think of some of the skill jobs as less important mm -hmm. in our yes. society. Um, a welder is less important than mm -hmm. a doctor or a lawyer. Yep. But you know what? I guarantee you that the welder, if they didn't be able to build that building, that doctor wouldn't be able to be practicing medicine. Yep. Yep. And those are some of the skills we teach to these students that allow them to go out and get those skills. And I guarantee you they can make just as much money as a mm -hmm. doctor or a lawyer or welder can in only six months. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but one of the things I wanted to add into this conversation was that a lot of times, you know, we have our math, English, science teachers. Those are what they consider the core teachers. Mm -hmm. um, they leave at 320. Yeah. We don't leave at 320 no. as ag teachers. Okay? A lot of us, and I can testify to several of these in this room, we don't get done sometimes at 7, 8 o'clock at night. Especially when we've got kids that are 
working with animals or working in the shop or doing projects that can teach them those skills and those responsibilities that allow them to be, go out and become a professional person in society. And that's one thing that we forget a lot of times. Yes, math, English, science, they're important. But the skills, the trades, where they can go out and get a job and be a productive person in society is the number a number one thing that we need to be working on today. Yeah. See, that's a little bit where I come from on this whole idea of teachers being professionals because um, I think sometimes we forget that we're mentors to those students and you can go be a welder and you can be a really professional, well-respected welder. So I need to show you how I am, but I'm, as an ag teacher, I really think that we can be a mentor for like, this is what a professional agriculturalist looks like. Right, this is how they act, and Kevin, I'm gonna um, comment, uh, just give some background for, with you for just a minute, I'm gonna point you out. Um, so I've noticed every time that I go to visit Lincoln, um, you do a fantastic job of making sure that your students know that you are proud to be a professional ag teacher, and it comes across from everything in what you wear to all the way like to how you behave and, and work with them. They know that you are an ag teacher and are proud to be an ag teacher. Um, and I've seen that from the get-go. And I don't know if you do that on purpose, but I was really happy that you came to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say thank you. Um, I, I don't know that I was expecting that. I, I've sat and reflected as, I, as I've listened to everyone speaking and, and I've had many of the same thoughts. But from the very beginning of this, one of the things that keeps echoing through my mind is that I am an ag educator by choice and not by chance. Yes. When, when I started teaching, I don't think I understood completely what this profession is all about. And this profession is going to change whether I'm at Heber Springs or Moralton or, or, or Lincoln or wherever I'm at because of the community that we're in. But earlier we asked, how are we viewed are we viewed as professionals? And I think as my students, I want them to see me as a professional, and I believe they do. And in my community, I want that to be there. I tell my kids all the time, and they'll laugh when I'm speaking because we'll be um, scooping out stalls at a pig show, and I'm, I'll tell them, I'm getting paid for this. I love what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Or we'll be at a national convention eating a state dinner. I'm getting paid for this. And, and they understand that I love what I'm doing, and I want that to be personified through our students in that whatever we're doing, we have that relationship so that they understand and they see us enjoying what we're doing. Yeah. But at the same time, an act teacher is a jack of all trades. I believe that in my community and with our students and with my administration, I believe that I am completely perceived as a professional. I want that to be the case. I don't believe that's always the case with our core and our co-teachers within our school. The shop teacher, there's a connotation with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I teach shop. They think when we go to county fair, we're just off playing. <laughs> I guarantee you we're not just playing. Right. But one of the things that makes us more professional, I believe, within our students' eyes, is that we get in with the students and we are, as a profession, willing to get dirty and get our hands dirty with the kids at the same time we're willing to teach genetics at a steep and deep level 
Well, we're able to teach kids how to be professional public speakers at the highest level. And in each of those things, that jack of all trades, when we do that, we should be able to promote that in an area that makes the kids build their own um, self of confidence or their, their own confidence in themselves sure. through that. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, hopefully they will perceive not only us as professionals, but that they can be as well. Yep. We, talk, we talked a lot at one of the earlier conversations about our job of being role models, whether we, whether we sign up for that or not. And if we want, I think it was during the state convention conversation. If we yes. want our, if we want our students to be to have that confidence when they're in the official dress to do that, we as ag teachers need to model that with with those, with those sort of things. And you made a great point there. That was the thing I loved about teaching high school ag was one period. I'm I'm teaching deep agri science. We're talking about genetics. That's thing. My very next period was a welding class, and and you know, you know and I went from having. Every kid in the top 10% of the school, again, small school, so, you know, to do that, but every kid in the top 10% of the school, down to having every single kid who was, who was going to be that welder. And you mentioned that uh, my son, my oldest son just graduated high school. One of his best friends um, just finished the six-month welding program, or the nine-month welding program, working for a welder. He's doing great. Another friend just started being a electrician apprentice to do that. And I said, all he's got to do now is find a third friend that's a plumber, and we're good. <laughs> you know, we've got the full the full array to do that, and 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 so we've got this deal about showing our our bona fides as scientists, as ag science, as well as to show that the trades matter as well, and how these kind of things come together. Because when people start giving a hard time about about the trades, I say, when's the last time you had to hire a plumber? What did you pay? Because and when do, when do you need a plumber? Usually it's like. On the weekend, which, which is a double holiday, you know, and all these kind of at, at midnight is when you're trying to hire a plumber to do that. And so, how do we? How do we? It's about telling our story. So, who is ultimately responsible in your all's mind about whether or not we are viewed as professionals? Whose job is that? I think it's our job. And I appreciate the the comments that each of you have made, especially. Uh, Kevin mentioned the fact that we get down in the trenches with the kids mm -hmm. and just that kind of situation on its own may affect people's perception of our occupation as, as being a profession. Um, but, you know, there are other professional occupations that do similar things, like, you know, a surgeon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, he's he's going to be up to his elbows in, in someone's body tissues. Mm -hmm. um, but, it's you true. know, he's a professional. And we, we just have to live with the things that we do uh, creating perceptions. But the way that we do them is also, uh, you know, I mean, we've got to be able to make the transition from um, you know, coming in from the lab covered with sawdust to, uh, you know, teaching parliamentary procedure or, uh, yeah. you know, going into some physiology yeah. of plants or, or some kind of discussion like that. With, and it's hard to do that seamlessly because, you know, you're trying to do a presentation and, and they, you I got grease maybe on my elbow. Kids are saying, Mr. Green, you got something on your arm. Yeah. I said, okay, we were in the lab last period. 
but the, probably the, the thing that strikes me the most is, is, is this question, whose responsibility is it? And, and I really do think it's, it's our responsibility because uh, I remember, Kevin, you might remember, you remember Dr. Breaker? Absolutely. You know what, you know what he said? What's that? Oh, you all probably heard this. He says, if you don't toot your own horn, it probably won't get tooted. Actually, it's been it's been adjusted since then. Uh, Dr. Johnson tells me this like maybe once a week. He says, "He who hath not his own horn tooteth." Uh, what's he say? He yeah. who tooteth not his own horn hath not his horn tooteth. Yeah. <laughs> that was a similar that Dr. Breaker said too. But it's uh, living on. The, again, piggyback on something Kevin said. What we have been tasked to do is not only to educate kids on um, you know, fixing a lawnmower, uh, welding pipe, uh, designing a bump structure, or you know, calculating probabilities of certain genetic traits being shown. Um, yeah, that's that's our core and basic technical information. But our real job is to produce more agricultural professionals. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yes. That's right. And the yes. thing that, that that you cannot do is you cannot fail to be an agricultural professional and still produce them. Yeah, there's a mentorship thing there. No, we're not, so some things that y'all were saying, Kevin, I've been in your all's program twice doing um, studies about what teachers wear, and because that is a part of being a professional, not entirely, but it's oftentimes the first impression, so you're saying like, we have to put that out there for others to see it, and, and dress is a part of that. It is. And, um, but it's interesting what you're talking about with credibility and the notion that like we have to be able to get down in the trenches. So people who are trying to learn from you, that's research shows that people who are trying to learn from you want to see that. So if a gym teacher is wearing a suit, you're viewed as less credible. If an ag teacher is wearing a suit, you're viewed as less credible. Um, but there is a fine line, right? There's this, there is a line because it goes both ways. You can either be, you're viewed on one end of the spectrum as less credible if you're not wearing what you should be wearing to engage in the practices of that profession. But the other end is that um, you are too lax. You might, know, you might know the information, but your classes are easy, right? If you're in jeans and a t-shirt, your classes are easy, and, uh, and it's going to be an easy A, and we're going to get along, but you're not really a professional. So there's this balance there. And we're not the only profession dealing with it. You talk about those trades, right? Stereotypical plumber, right? What do you think of? But your commercials now that are saying our plumbers will come in with their own booties and make sure that your home is very right. They're trying Absolutely. the same as us to shift that that perception of being a professional. So I totally agree with you. We're the ones that have to do that. Well, I think, again, there's a lot of wisdom in what, what he said there. And I think it's about our job is to manage that per, that perception. We can't just say, oh, nobody respects us. So I'm going to throw my sucker in the dirt and, and just do my own thing. But it's about knowing when to do that. It's about, you know, I go back and one of the things that my eye teacher taught me that I still think of today, like when I go to a meeting somewhere, if I'm going to, I felt, you know, he would wear a, a tie, a jacket and tie whenever we went to a convention or to a meet, to a thing or to kind of a meeting up there. Yeah, he was old school and did that, but that's what I see when you're going to go be at a professional meeting. You're going to, you're going to do that. And I did that as a, as a high school ag teacher. But when it was time to go do something else, you put on the lab coat and you got in there and he got greasy with the rest of them to do all that. It was, it's about managing that with, without no, and helping the students know 
that it's not just one time. It's 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 you look at that person in the context and you really bring these kind of things together. But I think that's great. And to me, that's that's the key point here is we are responsible for how we are perceived and we have to do a better job of, of managing that. It's not, it sounds kind of political. It sounds like a politician kind of a thing. Yeah. You gotta manage the message, but I think you do because we're in this ag education is so complex. You can just look at the things we've talked about so far that and the the various things we teach and we do and one minute you're in there in the classroom do the next minute you're taking a bunch of kids to a career development event or to a tour or whatever else there's a lot of things going on there and so people that don't know that don't understand it yeah. and so how do you demand and I think that's really really key and I think every ag teacher hopefully you wake up every morning thinking about how am I going to be managed how I am I am viewed and my profession is viewed one I, I made some notes and dress is one thing that I wrote down is like it's a gray area so how do I balance mm -hmm. looking like an ag teacher because we kind of joke and the kids have joked around you know the ag teacher uniform yeah. you know yeah. you got the twisted X shoes jeans a button-up shirt and you either have a vest or you know one of the soft shell jackets that you wear that's embroidered <laughs> <or something. laughs> and that's what you wear plaid had stains <laughs> <laughs> Um, he does. Yeah. And yeah. That, so that was one thing that I definitely like. I wrote that down, and that's something that I deal with as a female ag teacher. Yeah. I hear you. How do I dress to not look like a man, but look like an ag teacher, but still be professional for what I'm doing as a teacher, and not look like a kindergarten teacher or an English right. teacher? Because I don't want to look like that. I don't want to walk down the hall and be like, oh. Well, who's that to a new kid, you know? Oh, that's the ag teacher. Well, she doesn't look like an ag teacher. And that's where the research has shown when we did that, if that happens, they're like, can't, she can't teach me about ag. Yeah. I'll look at her. Yeah. Right? It's there. You don't want it to be, but it's, it's there. Perception, yeah. Yes, yeah. I definitely get that. And, I mean, I'm reminded every month when I pay my student loan bill, I am a professional. I pay for my education. <laughs> yeah. I am paying for my education <laughs> continuously. He, he laughed a little bit more at that than, than anybody else did about you paying for your, your student loans. He's like, ah, ha, ha. But we have continuous training, whether it be with all the rest of, you know, the, the other teachers at our school. We have this conference right now that we're going through training constantly. Um, there are all these opportunities for us to further our education. There's incentives for us to further our education in, you know, post-secondary with college and, you know, getting your master's and stuff like that. Um, and they call our meetings professional development. Mm -hmm. If we are not professionals, why are they giving us the title of professional development for our meetings? True. So if I'm not a professional and you are not meeting me in the school as a professional, I shouldn't have to show up to these three meetings a month and be included in all of your little things that could have been typed out in an email and sent. Right. Um, so if you're going to call me a professional, treat me like a professional. And I think we are held to higher expectations than even just regular classroom teachers because we are expected to be able to care for other people's children outside of the classroom. Like we're taking these kids mm -hmm. across the state. We're taking them out of the state to national convention. And I had a kid at it just warmed my heart about made me cry and it's making me tear up right now. But he sent me a message on Mother's Day and Aww. said, Happy Mother's Day because you're our mom when we're gone. Yeah. Um, so being, that's not necessarily professional, but that's part of our job. It's part of that mentorship piece, yeah. right? We, we are 
professional mentors. We have yeah. these children to take care of, and yeah. um, just like a doctor has patients, just like a lawyer has yeah. their clients. But you're right, and this goes back to what you were saying, Joe. We're showing them how to be professional agriculturalists, right? Like when, when you're a professional welder, this is how you act and how you behave and, and what you do. Okay, so I have a question. Um, obviously, it comes from somewhere, this notion that maybe that, that we feel like we have to protect that or to build that up. So it came from somewhere that we don't. I want to know what you've seen where you look and you say, that does not help us in the direction we're wanting to go. I've seen, I've seen some people that's dressed in the past that look like they were just a good old boy guy that possibly fell off a chuck wagon. <laughs> and to me, that sets, they may be brilliant people. I mean, above, beyond, have their masters. But when you look at them, you see a guy that fell off a chuck wagon. You don't see a professional. I feel like if you want to be a professional, you need to dress like one. You need to have that look to you that, hey, I teach physics, I teach science, I teach mathematics, I teach all this stuff that these other teachers teach, but I have a practical end goal that I'm teaching these kids what to do. And I feel like sometimes if you show up looking like a bum, people are going to think of you as a bum. You get treated like a bum. Yeah. yeah. We, we talked about this on the way home from supper last night, um, how at state convention, which this is, you know, building on what we talked about in the other uh, video, but we talked about how dressing like you fell off a chuck wagon or dressing like you're a professional rodeo person, then that's not what our profession is. That's not what your paycheck is for. It's so when you're in the situation that you are doing your job and you're getting paid, to take the kids out to have a state dinner at national convention or you're at a contest or you're at a state you know state convention then you should be dressing for that profession you're not going to a rodeo you're not going to a dance hall you're not going clubbing you're not you know you're not gardening so you you know need to be dressing for the particular situation that you're in um, and I just, I think sometimes the kids notice things that we don't think they notice. And we are their example, like you said, as a professional, because a lot of these kids, their parents are professionals. It's true. They don't put themselves out there as a professional. And maybe their dad is a plumber or an electrician, but he doesn't see himself as a professional. Or maybe the kid doesn't think, hey, that's a professional thing to do, because you know, he comes in and he's dirty and things like that. So he's not a professional. So we have to present to them that this is the way a professional acts. This is the way a professional goes about their business and their life. Because you spend enough time around kids, they start asking you personal questions. And they dig into your life and they, I mean, they get their hooks in you. And um, they're trying to find out as much about you as a person as possible. And if we're not conducting ourselves in a professional manner, that we are held to. I mean, you hear all the time of people, they posted a bikini picture on Facebook and the teacher got fired. Things like that. I mean, like, 
I remember I was erasing a board as a young teacher, and one, a kid from the back said, you have a tattoo? And I teachers are, are held to a higher standard in society than other professional people are. So you know what gets me? This is off the dress topic, but another professional thing, dipping at a thing, at a professional thing. That's kind of a southern culture thing. It's hard for me to see people dipping or smoking while at, like, do it when you're not working, but it's hard for me to see it. Or letting other, letting your students do it at state convention, sitting in the convention hall, when they're not wearing official dress, Joe, Joe says no go. Yep. Because I saw that. Sitting next to their ag teacher, not in official dress, they're spitting into a cup in the state. Well, our school, I, I follow our school policy when it comes to that, and most all our schools have the same policy. If I catch them, yep. they're not traveling. I know that sounds bad, but you know what? There's more implications that can lead to later on with the student and me as a professional. So I've got to cover myself a little bit as well, and I hate to be that way, but in today's society we have to a little bit. Um, but at the same time, we want our kids to understand that that's not something that's kosher when we're on trips, especially. I remember a time years ago <laughs> when professionalism was more ingrained in us as kids than it is today. I remember sitting as a freshman in, in survey and exploratory ag what it used to be called and my one of my former ag teachers telling us about how if you're wearing an FFA jacket and you dip or if you smoke you take that jacket off you have respect for it and so I do understand that there's a professionalism that goes not only with a student wearing an FFA jacket but with a professional being a professional and that was part of that lesson that was being taught right then and why we had the code of ethics in FFA but I reflect back on my other ag teacher had two growing up, and and I remember he, as well as Dr. Pete Breaker, making the same comment, and that was this. When you go to an SAE visit, when you go to someone's house, you need to be just one step above how you expect them to be dressed. Because if you go to a kid's house and their mom and dad are a doctor, you need to be at or above the level they're dressed at, or they will think less of you. But if you go to a kid's house and their parents are factory workers or coal miners or things of that nature and they're coming out barely dressed and, and you go dressed in a suit, now you've created a canyon, a, a class gap between you and them. You need to be at that level and, and just above, at the high end of the level where the people you're working with are dress-wise to carry out your profession. So, so that is one thing to build that relationship. So if I'm at a hog show, Twisted X boots or work boots are where I need to be, but I'm probably wearing a button-up and my kids are wearing a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. If I'm cleaning the fair, I'm going to be down in a t-shirt with them. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it doesn't have holes in it, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, I'm going to be trying to do those things as well. So I do think that the attire question, it has several facets to that little diamond. Yep. Yeah. Um, but when we get into professionalism, you brought something up earlier about how do we perceive ourselves and how are we perceived. I believe our attitude plays as much into that as possible. And, and whether that is in a professional development meeting and we are just in a sour mood and we're sitting in the back 
and we are griping about what our principal has just brought up, even though I may think it, I probably shouldn't say it. I think how we carry ourselves in the community, whether it's as a professional educator or as a professional agriculture educator, and the two can be, they don't have to be mutually exclusive, but they can be. And there's times when they don't have a perfect marriage um, because of trying to do the industry of agriculture as well as education. Sometimes they're not perfect. But how we have an attitude, how we discuss ourselves, and how we carry ourselves needs to be professional. I have a former student who once said in a speech, and this has lasted with me for many years, she said, ag teachers do more from three to eight than they will ever do from eight to three. And I believe that we are not just professionals when we're on that campus. I don't just work with students from eight to three or seven to four and go home. Very seldom do I go home before. So when we're with students or when we're in our community or when we are representing anything agricultural, educational, or in any way our, our profession at all, we've got to be on point. Yeah. We've got to be professionals in how we carry ourselves at all times. And that's a challenge. And that's especially a challenge, I think, to younger teachers. I really believe that's the case because the older I get, the more mild I get and the, and the calmer things are. <laughs> it's easy to do. But I do think there's a balance there. You know, agriculture education has a three-circle model. And I believe that to have a total program, you need to have your claws in all three sides. But to me, it's kind of like a three-sided teeter-totter. Mm -hmm. There's never a way to set that board on a pedestal and it just fit perfectly. Yeah. But you're constantly trying to balance it so no one side gets completely off balance. Mm -hmm. And I really think it's got to be a four-circle model because you've got to add your own family in there. And trying to keep everything balanced as well as keeping family where it needs to be, which is probably a bigger circle, hopefully. hopefully, um, That's a huge challenge to do that professionally and keep everything going. So I understand the, the challenges people get into. I also understand there's ways to do right. it. Well, I think that, that's a big part of it is recognizing that as ag teachers, we kind of, we have some instant credibility or instant role in the communities we go into. Uh, tell the story with my students. When I first took my first teaching job, I bought a house on July 3rd, started remodeling on July 4th, and leveled me. We took down every interior wall. We didn't move into it till the end of July. But the middle of July, my grandfather drove up an hour to that place, stopped at the gas station, asked the kid behind the counter at the gas station where the new ag teacher house was. Remember, I wasn't even living there yet. Bought it two weeks ago, and the kid behind the counter knew where the new ag teacher's house was. Just because of you know this is who the ag teacher was and you can you can you leverage that for good or for for evil. They put me on the news. Yeah. Here she is. It's a new ag teacher. I yeah. Got, I got when I interviewed at one of the places that I taught at. Yes. The superintendent put it this way. He said at our school hiring a new ag teacher is right at the same level, maybe just a little bit lower, because he was the athletic director in the past and stuff like that but he's, it's, so he said it's right at the same level or pretty close to hiring a new football coach yeah. and so I, you know I think our job and goes back to what you said so earlier you community like that to be really good, yeah 
You know, I, I think, you know, it's our job to manage how we are perceived. And I think one of the big goals I've learned here in our conversation is to be a professional means you can adjust. You know, you know how to act and what's appropriate in each particular situation. That situation may, may change class period to class period, may change from one FFA activity to another type of FFA activity, to working with parents, to the teachers, to whatever else. All the time, though, managing it so that you are perceived as a professional, to not have that gap be there, but to still be, be, be adjusting again. And maybe it's again, it's practicing education like they practice medicine and law to be doing those things rather than it's not a cookie cutter, do these seven steps exactly this way and this is what it means to be a teacher. Y'all, thank you very much. This has been a fantastic conversation to talk about what is our role as, as ag teachers and as professionals to be, how do we continue to be perceived that way? How do we, what are the things that we do and how do we help keep each other honest as ag teachers to say, hey, do you really know what you're, what you're, the, the vibe you're sending off here <laughs> to do that sort of a thing? And so this has been great. I have enjoyed it so much, this conversation from Hot Springs, Arkansas at Camp Couchdale. Um, this is Brian and Kate sitting here by the owl pellet. Thanking you guys. Hopefully you guys, this has engaged you in a lot of great conversation. Look forward to the comments on Facebook. Um, and remember, you're an ag teacher by choice, not by chance. Thank you all. Discover your place in education where learning intersects research and engagement. The University of Florida's Department of Agricultural Education and Communication connects people with agriculture through communication, education, extension, and leadership. AEC is proud to contribute to the next generation of agricultural and natural resources while preparing students to create a larger impact in their future careers. We're empowering agriculturalists who will become the next educators, the next communicators, and the next leaders for the Gator Good. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate and Marshall, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thanks and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets. Tips for Ag Teachers.